hope you all are doing well and welcome to a brand new show here on the stag sports network called the stag sports rap podcast as every week we're going to be recapping all the key action from the fields courts and diamonds chatting with fairfield student athletes previewing upcoming action and much more my name is jj duke as many of you know me by now from working in the broadcast booth or featuring on a number of our stag sports network streams and podcasts I can't do this alone, however. I need someone to join me on this ride. I'm happy to be uh, joined by Drew Kingsley, who is Fairfield University Athletics Associate Director of Athletics for Communications and Content Strategy. Drew, this is going to be a fun journey over the next 10 weeks or so because we already have dived in pretty deep into the fall, spring, winter seasons. Crazy to have that combination together, but we've got a lot of action. we got a lot to talk to here today. Yeah, today and every week, it's going to be great to just run down this just incredible amount of Fairfield Athletics action that's going on across pretty much all of our sports. Now we get, before we get into this, kind of give you all an idea of the reasoning why we're doing this outside of the fact that it just adds a little bit more content. It kind of expands our Stag Sports Network podcasts, just the brand that we have, because now we've got a number of weekly and or monthly features that we get to show off here on this platform but because the fact that it just there's so many games going on I was looking up and down Drew at the calendar you can really only count like a handful of days where there is just nothing going on it just means that there's a lot to catch up on and it's kind of a great way to start your week off by maybe your drive in to work or if you need something to listen to during lunch this is just a great way to catch up on everything that's gone on in the past week, get you ready for the week to come, and also hear from some of our student athletes as well. Yeah, there's just so much going on. There's there's so much going on in a, quote, normal year, but this year in particular with all of these sports going on, uh, we want to be able to highlight all the great things our student athletes are doing. They're, they've worked so hard to get to this point. They're continuing to work hard to stay on the field or court or what have you, so we want to make sure they get their due and tell their stories to you. And also why we get to do this is because for maybe not a lot of you know, and we actually did kind of a practice show before this just to get comfortable on how we're going to go about this. Drew and I basically have a elongated text message that is basically just about sports and really about Fairfield sports. So why not, as I think you said it best, why not bring our banter through the phone into the podcast world and let's make some magic. Yeah, you know, you and I have a lot of fun talking about sports, Fairfield sports in particular, you know, we both, uh, we really care about our student athletes as everybody in our department does. And I just think it's a great way for us to sort of bring that to the world, um, perhaps whether they like it or not at some point in terms of our banter, but we'll, we'll get into that as we roll along. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Hey, if you, if you all have some thoughts that you want us to talk about as well, we'll let you know at the end of the show how you can get in contact with us as we go forward. But boy, did we pick a pretty good time to get this show <laughs> rolling because I think at the time of recording, we're about a couple hours after the release of the NCAA men's basketball tournament brackets. Of course, we just wrapped up the MAC basketball championship tournament down in Atlantic City and it was an entertaining week it was a bit wild west out there in the MAC as we saw the number one and two seeds on the men's side the number two seed on the women's side go down and Fairfield men's basketball 
they got themselves a real good opportunity of getting to the big dance as they reached the final for the second time in the last couple of years. Uh, they did ultimately fall to Iona, the same team that they dropped in a few years ago as well. But it's not easy to get to a final, especially when you have to play a first round game. You got to win four games to get, in this case, to Indianapolis. But I think the men they put an outstanding showing up for themselves, including beating the second and the third seed. Arguably they had the toughest road to get to the final. Oh yeah. It's uh, that, that tournament is a bear every year, but especially this year when a lot of people will say that most of the seeds meant very little with teams playing different number of games, not playing everybody, that sort of thing. And uh, I think, as you said, the wild West, we knew that was coming and uh Jay Young and his team really just capitalized on that. It's a huge cliche to say they were peaking at the right time, but that's really the way to describe it. We saw it from November, December till now. We've seen the growth of this team, the development of this team. And with a lot of these guys coming back next year, we're really looking forward to what's next for them and hoping they can ride this wave into next November as we jump eight months ahead. Well, you talk about the peaking, right? After this team had a pause due to COVID, they split all four of their series. So never got swept. They didn't sweep, but you go on the road, beat St. Peter's, you battle with Quinnipiac, Canisius, and then Manhattan. That's the other kind of crazy part. Fairfield had to play Manhattan three times in the span of six days with ultimately the rubber match being the most important of it. But you also want to see growth throughout a short tournament like that as well. Often we see the big teams, proverbially speaking, on the seed side, the big teams coming in, having a big first game, knowing that just repeat that performance, we get to the final. That doesn't always happen. You want to see yourself get better. And I think Fairfield, they did. And they also found different ways to win games. And that's just a perfect recipe to get success. And you said it right. Jay Young's team, they came in with a plan. And for the most part, they executed it. Yeah, if you really just just go down the roster from this past week or so, even going back to that last regular season Manhattan game, you've got Jake Wojcik, the 33-point game, Taj Benning putting up 24-12 and 12 against Monmouth, and what a win that was over Monmouth, King Rice, the coach of the year, and just go down the line, Steve Mazziello, a two-time MAC champion, King Rice, the current coach of the year, Shaheen Holloway, last year's coach of the year. And then, of course, in the final, you have the Hall of Famer, Rick Pitino. That was quite a run to go toe-to-toe with those four and knock off three of them. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you mentioned two of those guys, Wojcik and Benning, who ended up getting named to the Mackle Championship Tournament team. But Caleb Green coming into his own the scoring side, averaging over 10 points per game in the tournament. I think a lot of people got on the Supreme Cook bandwagon throughout outside of the fact that he has one of the best names in all of college basketball, but he averaged nine and six and a half during the tournament. So you don't see this league often having the established big guys, but you got Supreme coming in as a young player. The sky is truly the limit. Also forget Jesus Cruz average over 10 points per game in that tournament. Anytime they got your starting five averaging 10 plus you're putting yourself in position. I know it keeps saying it over and over again, but This didn't come as a surprise once you saw how things were coming into place for Fairfield. They just got hot at the right time and kept building on that as we went on. I mean, you talk about that St. Peter's game as well. That was not an easy game to get through. I think what the Stags were down double digits at some point and still found a way to beat a St. Peter's team that you don't beat on the interior. 
Yeah, that was uh, beating a team at their own game. Casey and Defo was was Casey and Defo in that game. He was the two-time MAC Defensive Player of the Year, blocking shots. Stags adjusted, especially in the second half, came away with a uh, a hard-fought win there. And as you said, a guy like Supreme Cook going toe-to-toe with that two-time Defensive Player of the Year, and uh, very happy to have him. Very happy that he's just a freshman and he's going to be around here for a long time. Yeah, and you know, obviously unfortunate that they didn't clear that final hurdle. As you said, it's difficult to go against an Iona team that has been there basically every year for the last decade, winning a number of these MAC championship tournaments. But, you know, fair play to all those guys. I know it's kind of a, a sour pill to swallow at the end of the tournament, but I know they're going to be holding their heads high, going to go into their offseason workouts probably with a little bit more vigor. Also different from Lancer, obviously, because you know, we didn't know what was going to happen. Now you know exactly what you're getting into. And I feel like we're only just seeing the beginning, just almost scratching the surface on the big master plan that Jay Young has. Oh, yeah. Just the, the steady growth all year is undeniable. And that's missing out on the summer. And yeah, every team missed out on the summer. But think about where Fairfield was at as far as this building process. That was a that was a critical summer for this team. And to have that next year, if you listen to the Open Court podcast, and I hope you do, that's what every guy says when they're on there is I can't wait for this summer. Appreciate you, by the way, just throwing in plugs. That's how this works. So make sure communication and content strategy. There you go. Uh, I, know, I believe uh, Joe and Bob will be having one more uh, podcast to finish out the season. So make sure to do so. Fairfieldstags.com is where you got to go for that. Um, but again, congratulations to uh, Jay Young and the entire Fairfield men's basketball team for an outstanding run last week. On the women's side, another semifinal. It seems like every season is just kind of the consistent as you are, finishing in the top four in the league, putting yourself in a position to be successful. The team knocked off Manhattan in the quarterfinals. Um, in that game, Lou Lopez Seneschal, who ended up being unanimous first team All-Mac, dropped 21. Sam Lewis doing her thing behind the arc, dropping 11. Marist, we saw a nice little emergence from Callie Cavanaugh going 16-5. and five. Uh, Lou Lopez Seneschal with 11. Unfortunately, against the Red Foxes, who ultimately won in emphatic fashion uh, the MAC championship crown. Uh, it just, it never got going for them. But when you look at the grand scheme of things, and I know you're going to hear this story for a lot of different teams, Drew, but this was just a tough luck season for Fairfield women, whether it was multiple pauses, played only 60% of their possible league schedule. The fact that they got to a semifinal and grinded out games down the end of the stretch and had multiple pauses, a lot of things that were going against them they still figured out a way to have some success in the tournament. And there's just a lot of credit that has to go to that group. It speaks to the, the character of those student athletes. It speaks to coach Frager and the culture he's built. It speaks to just the culture in Fairfield athletics at all. That team never got down. I'm sure they had their moments, you know, in some of those pauses, but in the grand scheme of things, as you never got down, they never, they never felt sorry for themselves. And, you know, last year they were, they were the last game in Atlantic city. They came off the court as winners, looking forward, ironically, to a semifinal with Marist that ended up never taking place just over a year ago. And um, I'm personally just so happy for them. It didn't it didn't work out, but to get the opportunity to decide it on the court this time around and feel like you got to give it your all after having it, they probably feel like having something taken away from them last year, having a really legitimate shot, as a lot of teams did last year, taken away. They got the chance to go and 
give it their best shot in Atlantic City, and we know that they'll be back. They always, the Fairfield women's basketball always comes back and is a real challenge in the MAC for everybody else. No, it is, and I think also we're starting to see too some new names uh, come to the surface in that league as well. It's not just Fairfield, Marison, Quinnipiac. We saw St. Peter's get to the final. We saw Ryder without arguably one of the best players we've seen in this league in a number of years and Stella Johnson who did her thing uh, this past summer in the WNBA, but Ryder knocking off Quinnipiac as a seven seed. I mean, this is a league that certainly they're starting to take those next steps into becoming a top to bottom tough conference to play in. And the fact that Fairfield in that, couple of all-conference honorees and Lou Lopez Seneschal first team, uh, Kitty Armstrong second team, but Andrea Aaron Gomez wins the MAC sixth player of the year, which is just the second Fairfield player to ever do that. We love to see her energy on the floor every night and having these players gain that extra little bit of experience now going into next year. That's, that's a tough five, tough six to really crack into. And you know, how, how deep do you have to be to have the MAC six player of the year? That means you have a player in Andrea who's essentially a sixth starter and Fairfield, you could argue has seven, eight players who are essentially starters that are getting starter minutes that are in there in the big situations, depending on matchups. So that's really, that award is a credit to her for not letting that label of coming off the bench affect her in the slightest. She, she came off the bench and was just a set of fresh legs, another starter to be out there and to, as you said, really inject some energy into the lineup. Without a doubt. That's going to kind of, wrap up our look back of the Mac basketball championship tournament though we do have to give a shout out of course to all the athletes on the basketball teams handling this season the way that they did I mean let's face it playing through a pandemic playing in empty gyms basically every night of this season and often having to change things on the fly either that was matchups whether that was having coaching availability inside the gym I mean these are things that our student athletes had to go through and I think fair play to them to getting through the finish line. And that's something that we are not going to take lightly in saying anymore is getting to and finishing off of a season. So fair play to all of them for going forward. But this doesn't also mean that we're finishing out the hardwood because volleyball, as part of the fall playing in the spring, they got their season started as we were wrapping up the basketball season. And volleyball also had a unique opportunity to close out for good alumni hall as they did that on sunday march the 7th with a sweep of rider as volleyball is playing one day double header so two matches on the same day they won the opening match in four sets won the second the distance which also seemed fitting as well because alumni hall wasn't going to go down without a fight it certainly showed its <laughs> final final charge in there so they improved to 2-0 um, to start the season then got to 4-0 as they swept iona on Sunday, the night that we're recording, winning the first match in four, second match in three sets. And um, Drew, I think, I don't want to say this is Fairfield Volleyball of old, but man, when you look up and down that lineup, you're starting to see some very familiar signs, even though you'll probably hear Todd Crest say that we are a long way from where we really want to be. Yeah, and you know, the reason or the fact that Todd feels that way is why his teams are so good year after year after year, just that standard of excellence in that program. And yeah, this team, they're four and zero under these challenging circumstances, you know, beat a very tough rider team that was picked third had Morgan Romano, who's one of the top hitters in the league 
and I own a team that's only a few years removed from a Mac championship. Um, so they're, they're in as good a position as anybody. And that, if, if you saw the rest of the results around the league today, Ryder had a couple of slugfests with Marist, Quinnipiac and Canisius went toe to toe twice today. It's, it's a short ride. It's three weeks from beginning a regular season to end, but it's, it's just going to be, it's, it's going to be, as I said, slugfests every week. And for Fairfield to be off to a four and zero start is just a great credit to them for coming in prepared and being able to do it twice in one day as well. Yeah, the format for the volleyball season, it's 10 games in 21 days, essentially, because you're playing five doubleheaders. You're not playing everybody. You just play 60-some-odd percent of your schedule because there's the 10 teams in the league. But you got to get it done over a six-hour period. You have only two and a half hours to recover between the matches that was agreed upon before the season began. You're going to see players rolling in and out. You're going to see some they haven't seen in a while. But for Fairfield, again, the depth just to continues to rise. And the young players, something that I really love, the young players are really grabbing a role really quickly, especially for the fact that they've hardly had any chances to work really as a full unit, um, getting game time. And we saw uh, Georgia Via, who ended up getting the Mac Libero of the week, she is averaging what, close to five digs per set right now through two, uh, two weekends thus far. Simone Tyson was outstanding on the pins. We saw Ella Gardner in the middle, someone that Todd Crest says has a super high ceiling of potential. And um, Kyla Berg also doing some great stuff in the back row. That just adds to the fact that Fairfield already bring back Manuela Nicolini, who won the Mac Player of the Week. She's had double-doubles basically every match that we've seen thus far. And Laura Seeger, I think probably the great story of it all, goes down with a significant knee injury in the MAC championship game. And she missed a grand total of one match for Fairfield as she missed the NCAA tournament game comes back and is averaging over three and a quarter kills per set. So this is, it, it's just kind of icing on the cake right now where Fairfield can go. Yeah. Coach Kress is really committed to using that lineup, you know, with the two matches in one day, he's really committed to using everybody, making sure that nobody's getting overworked in the regular season when you have eyes on the postseason and he's definitely got the lineup to do it as we've seen thus far he can uh, mix and match play these different combinations that's one of the great things about volleyball you can take a player like i'll i'll use maddie jordanic as an example great back row player she's she's not going to see the front row at five foot five well you can still use her in volleyball and not be giving anything up and that's something that coach Tress has really mastered with this line of getting people in playing to everybody's strengths so you don't really lose a step when you're giving people some rest, saving their arms, saving them some jumps, things like that. Yeah, you're going to be seeing that a lot in this shortened volleyball season with the MAC tournament being played over the first weekend of April. And as we mentioned, Alumni Hall was closed out in grand style on Sunday, March the 7th. Uh, I sat down on the broadcast with head coach Todd Kress and Joel Battles uh, to talk about that experience of not only playing in Alumni Hall for the last time, but also some of their experiences as a whole as Fairfield Volleyball, 276 wins in that building, won four MAC titles on that floor. So here is Todd and Joel speaking with me after the second match against Ryder on Sunday, March the 7th. Really, since this is the last one, this is the final match, final ever event here at Alumni Hall, your group has experienced a lot of success on this floor. So, you know, I'd just love to hear some of your thoughts, any memories that you have. Yeah. I mean, there's probably too many. You could probably even write a book about it, to be fair. But what does this facility mean to you? 
Yeah, that's a tough question to answer in a short amount of time. I don't know what time we got to get off the air, but alumni is a special place. I mean, Melissa and I were sitting over there on the sidelines uh, yesterday after, or the uh, yeah Friday or Saturday after practice, and just kind of taking it all in. And we sat there for about 45 minutes and just soaked it in. Um, it is a special place. I mean, it's uh, so many memories, uh, blood, sweat, and tears. I mean, I know that's kind of an overused expression, but. Friendships that have been built in here, you know, locker room talks, um, significant wins. Um, you know, I can go all the way back to 1995 with some of the things that I remember when my first year here and, and the things that we've accomplished and the student athletes that have uh, that walked on these floors and played on these floors. Um, you know, I'm looking to the, my right to the banners and, and the history and the tradition um, and just the pride of this program um, all encompassed here in Alumni Hall. So. Uh, we are so looking forward to the Convocation Center. I can't tell you enough how much we're all looking forward to a brand new facility for this uh, for this university and our athletic department and, and just the community in general. But uh, we sure are going to miss Alumni Hall. There's no doubt about it. It's a special place. Joel, we, we heard the kind of the vision of the coach that's been here for a long time for you, just your second year with this program. But I've always heard that you're part of this family no matter what if you're a recruit coming in if you're a player on this team if you're someone that has been graduated for 10 years or so you're always part of this fairfield volleyball family so for you what has this experience been like to play in this gym both in the 2019 championship season and closing it out today um this family that we have has like been i think around this like with this building in alumni hall and it's been a really great opportunity to be a part of it um i've we've, i've only been in this built part of this program for two years and like I honestly don't think I could have found a better place in Fairfield and it's just been so welcoming as far as the volleyball and everyone in athletics and it's been like really great. So that was Todd and Joel chatting with me and also good to know as well today a little bit of history Drew. Uh, coach Cress now the winningest head coach in MAC volleyball history 229 wins and a near 700 win percentage. I mean that those are just numbers that are mind blowing. Yeah, he's had a he's had a heck of a run. That's the seven time MAC Coach of the Year in eleven seasons, eleven seasons including this one. Six time MAC champion, and as you said, it's not just the wins; it's the almost seven seventy percent, almost seven hundred winning percentage. Um, I talked to him after the matches today, and he really just gave his credit to his players. He said. You know, players win matches, coaches don't. And he's obviously had some great players, but I have to respectfully disagree a little bit. We're, we're very happy to have Coach Cress here at Fairfield. And as much as those great players have contributed, he's certainly been a part of a lot of those victories. Well, as we swing from one coach that has been a staple at Fairfield to another, with her team getting to a fast start on the lacrosse field, that would be head coach Laura Field's women's lacrosse team. Three wins from three at home to begin the season, uh, sweeping Quinnipiac twice to open the season, 13-10 on March the 6th, and then two days later, a 14-13 scoreline. Then this past Saturday, knocking off Niagara 12-9. Women's lacrosse this year, you're playing 12 games, conference-only schedule. We play some teams twice, going in three days, mind you, and then some teams once. All said and done, though, from – Fairfield women's across the one thing that I loved actually seeing this weekend, we got performances from players that you expect, but we got a lot of performances from players that drew you and I haven't even seen. And these aren't just freshmen coming into this year. We saw the likes of Ellie Greffenstedt with a team high 11 points, Ariana Lavelle 
with averaging two goals per game, both I don't think I've ever seen on the field, at least at home. And it's outstanding to see that they're coming in day one, making a difference. Yeah, women's lacrosse, another team that's always seems to be near the top of the league standings. And with that, you end up with a lot of great players, as we've seen over the years. And that means sometimes you don't see some of those younger players from day one and then throw in the fact that there was only a seven game season last year. You're talking about uh, Ellie and Ariana. You're talking about a couple of juniors that you and I haven't really seen unless we've been out at practice and they're they're stepping up. They're ready to go along with. Kelly Horning, who's off to a great start to her year. Uh, Maggie Reynolds in the back row. Nicolette LaVista picking it up uh, at the draw control circle as well. Yeah, a number of those players are doing the job. Livia Conquest standing tall in between the pipes. Um, you mentioned Kelly Horning, and she's clearly showing once again why she's the best two-way midfielder in this league. Ten-plus points, ground balls, cause turnovers, draw controls, and for those that are not familiar with lacrosse terms that's literally every major stat actually every stat that you can have in a positive sense that she is excelling at and it's scary to think that how quick she started this year but how good she can be with this group that's firing on all cylinders behind her yeah we're really looking forward to it the rest of this season three and oh right now every game is going to be huge as it's only a four-team tournament instead of six this year so to have those two wins in pocket over a good Quinnipiac team that's going to be fighting for a playoff spot, Niagara, who gave the Stags a run in only their first game of the spring. They were they were the the scheduled by team last week. So this was their first game of the season and they they took the Stags to the limit. So that's probably another team that's going to be fighting for a spot in that conference tournament. So for the Stags to have two tiebreakers in pocket, still a long way to go. But you and I are allowed to think about these things early. That we are. And I mean, you say a long way to go. I say it's a quarter way already done and we're <laughs> 10 days into the season. And uh, speaking of that Niagara game, I had a chance to chat with uh, grad student attacker Megan Graham about the start to the season as well as her coming back to the field as well. Because remember, she was one of those players that saw her senior year cut short, but came back and, you know, she is relishing this opportunity. So here's my chat with Meg after the conclusion of the Niagara game. So Meg, three games at home, three victories at home. Surely you guys have to be feeling pretty good about yourselves, about the way that this year started. Yeah, I mean, we are feeling pretty good so far. I mean, in the beginning, it, we had to figure it out because it was our first time really playing together as a unit. And I think it's been turning out pretty well for us so far. But um, yeah, those three wins definitely felt pretty good for the whole team. There's this obvious uncertainty that comes into a season like this, where in talking with your coach, she said that a lot of the group really hadn't played together up until maybe a couple of weeks before the season, maybe even still in that getting to know you phase without the hello, my name is sticker on your jersey. But um, what has it been like really coming together in a short period of time, knowing that right from the get go, it's Mac play, all these games matter. Yeah, so in the beginning, in the fall, we were all divided up into specific groups. So I really didn't, being a fifth year, I really didn't get to know anyone on the personal level that we always got to um, in the previous years. So coming into this um, season, it's kind of like you're thrown in there. You have to stand on the sideline next to a freshman that you may not know and be like, how's it going? Like, how, how are you doing, basically? And kind of get to know them so that if you're out there on the field with them, then 
you're in that comfortable zone. So I think it kind of forced us to get to know each other more in a way so that when we did all come together at that one point, we did know each other and we were comfortable with each other. And I think that's honestly what helped with the success on the field in the past few games. Yeah, definitely. Because even though there have been, it was told to me beforehand that there is going to be some erratic play at times purely because there hasn't been any tune-ups. I know your group had a full inner squad scrimmage to kind of sort of simulate what a game would look like. Obviously for yourself, you've played a number of these, but for freshmen and a lot of sophomores haven't played a lot. So did it feel kind of good almost thinking that, wow, we've gotten through these first three games, especially at home as well. And we're coming away with three wins and we still haven't even really hit anywhere near our full potential yet. Yeah, I mean, I think those first few scrimmages was a big wake up call for everyone because obviously practice is is practice. But when you get into a game situation, it's totally different and you really got to adjust and you got to learn the rules even because some of the freshmen are coming in not really knowing the rules. I mean, the sophomores have seen what it's like um, only for a few games though last year. So, I mean, being thrown into those few games and them adjusting on play, like being in, basically just thrown in there and them adjusting to that is actually a really big help. And I think that everyone's handling it really well and there's nothing more that we can ask for. <laughs> It's awesome. Now, the other wrinkle to the season, too, is the playing a number of opponents on two games in three days. You got that right out of the gate with a very strong Quinnipiac team. And I think a lot of fair play to them for the fact that they came out. I talked with their coach before and she said that no one really knows us and we have a chance to rewrite our own what we want to be at this point. That had to be challenging, not only just playing them once, but then you didn't have a lot of time to learn about what happened from that first game. And here we go again. Did you maybe even talk to some of the basketball players or at least had some sort of conversations through other people to be like, so how'd you get through playing games in such quick succession? Honestly, I don't think any of us really had the chance to talk any to any other teams about how they were thrown into those two games, like one right after the other. But I think the first game was more excitement and honestly Quinnipiac was a great opponent. They really, they put everything out there on the line and it was a battle to the end. Honestly, when it came to the second game, you're like, Oh wow, this is, we have to start all over again. We have to think that we didn't play them already. And that this is the first game again. And we kind of just have to go in there being like first Mac play game. We have to win this to stay on top. And it was still a battle, but I think that, Thinking about playing a few opponents twice, it might seem tiring, but honestly, it's the excitement and getting to at least play those few games that we might not have had last year. So I think we're all taking it and it's it's going to pay off in the end. And I think it's going to go well. And we saw you really come into the mix on this past Saturday in another close game against Niagara at home. That was a game of runs back and forth. Fairfield had the last run and you were a key part of it. Did it feel good for you personally to know that, yeah, I can go out and throw a four point day and be a contributor to a team that has a lot of young players, a lot of veteran players, but finding ways to keep doing what really this group has kind of done. And that's fine ways to win. Yeah. I mean, shout out to our defense for yesterday. They killed it. I think that they were a big key part in us winning yesterday. I mean, there were the times where we had the back and forth play, which is going to happen at times in a game. But I think being out on the field with my teammates, I think that they give me the confidence to be the player that I am. And 
they're even the sidelines they're the best that you could ask for like they're hyping you up on the sidelines they're coming over patting you on the back saying you did a great job um but I think overall all together our team effort just put puts the team all together and helps us win I think our atmosphere and being thrown into this crazy time really helped us pull out the win because we're honestly a close team and I think that just having those close connections with everyone just really helps bring out those wins. Certainly love the humbleness as well. And <laughs> it is always the team before I and looking yeah. ahead to this coming weekend. It's a home and home with Manhattan. Never an easy place to go play down in Riverdale. And they're yeah. a group that's certainly continuing to build on where they were a few seasons ago. Tough to break down defensively. I know you haven't had too many chances to look at them thus far, but certainly the mood has to be pretty good going in, knowing that three wins out of three, we could take on anybody. Yeah, I mean, our mood's pretty high right now. We're, we're on a high level, but I mean, there's still some stuff that we have to clean up and we're still probably going to go into every game with the same intensity with thinking that we have, have to come out on top. And I think that we just have to keep cleaning up our play and making more of those connections on the field. And I think hopefully if we continue to do better, um, that we'll be able to hopefully stay on top and pull out those wins. So I appreciate uh, Megan Graham sitting down to chat with me. And also for those that don't remember, she sat with us back last May uh, with that letters to the herd series that we did after the uh, conclusion or the early conclusion of the 2020 athletic season. So if you haven't already, make sure to go back on over and check that one as well. Lots of other results to get to. We're just going to fly through a number of them. Field hockey got back to their winning ways after um, Obviously, their outstanding 2019 season as the NEC champions, winner of the opening round game over American at home. Uh, they knocked off Albany 3-0 at home to get their season going, then went on the road a couple of days later this past Friday, beating Hofstra three goals to two. Faith Spaziano with goals in both games and Juliana Kratz with a couple of goals away at Hofstra. Men's soccer opened the season at Canisius and a true business-like performance out of that group. Uh, Carl Reese's team got off to a start where Cormac Pike finished off a Matt McGlinchey free kick late in the first half before Alex Oliveira finished off a wonderful team move uh, just eight minutes from full time. And you have to love three points and you love clean sheets even more as Gordon Botterill, the Swiss Superman, registering three saves in what was kind of a quiet day at the office. Really tricky conditions up there in Buffalo as well. So I think the players are going to be happy about that one. Men's lacrosse, one and three to start the season, tight losses to Providence to open the season and away at UMass on Sunday. And some, if we talk about tricky conditions in Buffalo, I think we had English weather in the span of 10 minutes in Amherst, Mass on Sunday, where we had rain, wind, snow, and sun all during that one. Unfortunately, the Stags not coming away with the victory there, but they did pick up their first win to Lafayette last Wednesday. Overall, Dylan Beckwith leading the charge after his outstanding 2020 truncated season with 16 points in four games. Taylor Stroud with 10 goals and grad student Matt Lestava with 12 points. So basically just doing what he did when he was at Bates and now carrying that over here to the Stags. 
men's and women's tennis already underway of the few matches under their belt men's tennis registering a win at Merrimack golf swimming and diving women's soccer also getting their seasons underway and cross country participating in the first Mac championship event since the swimming and diving championships and indoor track and field back in February of 2020 that meet was held in New Jersey on March the 5th women finished seventh their best showing since 2013, continuing kind of their climb up the board over the last few years. The men finished ninth, but Robert Dillon finished the eight-kilometer race in 25 minutes, 47.44 seconds, which is less than 15 seconds off earning all-max status because it's a time level uh, that you get and also the places where you are as well. But that was one of the best men's performances we've seen in quite some years. So good things out of cross-country. It was just the one meet season, but they certainly – made the most of it so that's your wrap up of all stags athletics over you could kind of say really the last 10 days or so as we combine the basketball conclusion of the season with the start of the fall spring combo season your upcoming schedule looks like this on monday march the 15th men's golf is away in new jersey the peacock invitational on tuesday the 16th women's soccer is in a 2019 mac championship rematch at Monmouth looking for a bounce back after kind of a unflattering 4-1 loss to Ryder. They actually played some good things, put together really a solid performance for their opening day, but just ultimately Ryder took their chances, but looking to bounce back away at the Hawks. Men's tennis host Providence the following day, Wednesday the 17th. Men's lacrosse also hosting Sacred Heart under the lights at 7 p.m. On Thursday the 18th, Volleyballs in action, doubleheader at Niagara. Men's soccer hosting Quinnipiac in a Nutmeg State Derby. And field hockey opens up NEC play across town rival Sacred Heart. Women's lacrosse travels to Manhattan on Friday the 19th, returning at home on Sunday afternoon. Busy weekend. There's so much that's happening that it is too difficult to even get to it in one big sentence. But baseball and softball start the year at home. Uh, baseball host Canisius for doubleheader both days. Softball, the same with Siena. Swimming is at home. Men's and women's tennis are in action. Women's golf gets their season going. Volleyball hosting Siena at home that weekend as well. Drew, I listed a lot. If there was a couple of things that you'd say, well, we'd like all of them, but maybe just keep an eye on this one, what would that be? Well, um, this is my segment, so I can cheat, right? Because I'm going to pick three right off the bat. I, As you said, the local derby, I do love those. So we've got men's lacrosse hosting Sacred Heart on the 17th. You've got field hockey hosting or going to Sacred Heart on the 18th. And you've got men's soccer hosting Quinnipiac on the 18th as well. I uh, really love those matchups. Uh, you know, obviously no visiting fans this year and uh, limited home fans, but still something special when you get to play those local rivalries, get some of those bragging rights with uh, some of these student athletes that you may know off the field as well as from competing against them. Yeah, and all those games basically taking place in like 24-hour windows, so a lot of great opportunities. And for those who had missed it already, Drew, uh, before the start of this fall spring combo season the stag sports network announced on fairfieldstags.com their broadcast schedule where every home game across eight different sports will be broadcasted on a variety of networks make sure to stay tuned on fairfieldstags.com to see where those streams are and also where visiting streams are as well as you know things do often change so just make sure to keep an eye on that and also check on our socials as well as we'll get to that in a minute 
And in addition to those changes, I think it should just be fair to quickly mention, note about how scheduling, both COVID obviously has altered things, made changes, especially late on, could be at a moment's notice. So as we're saying these schedules laying it out, this is how it's listed. However, always just do your best if you want to keep an eye on fairfieldstags.com team Twitter handles as we do our best as quickly as possible to get any updates or changes, stream changes. And also remember baseball and softball beginning weather plays a factor as well. So if that becomes a thing, almost feels normal just saying that weather becomes a thing. And if a game gets rained out, we will let you know. So just make sure to stay with our socials. You can be at Fairfield Stags, Stag Sportsnet on Twitter, fairfieldstags.com. It's where you need to go. If you want to reach out to us and let us know how we did, what are some of the things we could talk about as well, you could do that through there. And Drew, that wraps up our first episode. We got through a lot, but I certainly enjoyed it and looking forward to the next one. I'm really looking forward to doing this. That was that, that felt like about three months worth of games we just ran through. It was just a couple of weeks. So I look forward to doing this every week for the rest of the spring and bringing, shining some light on some of these stories that we don't want to get lost in the shuffle with everything that's going on in Stags Athletics. Love that. So thanks so much for tuning in to our very first episode of the Stag Sports Wrap Podcast. Make sure to check in with us, as I said, fairfieldstags.com as we go forward. But for Drew, I'm JJ signing off. Till next time, go Stags.